Good morning. Glad you're with us this morning. Um, just, just a couple things going on. We're celebrating baptism in Alhambra today, and so I'm actually going to uh, baptize Levi Barrett this morning, and so I'm going to sneak out of here uh, fairly quickly. So just a heads up. Um, if you need to talk to me, just tackle me on my way toward the door or something. Um, also, next week is uh, we're celebrating baptism, as Joel said, uh, here, and so really looking forward to that. Also, next Sunday night, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is something that is uh, set aside for Christians, those who've decided to follow Christ as Lord. And as you see its place in Scripture, Jesus told us to celebrate the Lord's Supper to remember his death and resurrection. Uh, on our behalf. And it's also, um, Paul later explained that it <clears throat> it's a time for us to examine our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with one another, and uh, do what we need to do to make those right. And so I want to encourage you, uh, as you get ready to share in the Lord's Supper next Sunday night, to prepare, to think through your walk with God, your relationship with Him. Is there anything You've been holding back. Is there anything you need to clear up with him? Turn from any repentance from sin that needs to take place. Or if there's some broken relationship or something that needs to be cleared up uh, with someone in the body. Jesus said that's that's a high priority. He said, if you realize if you're worshiping God and you're at worship and you realize that somebody you've offended someone, you need to leave worship, get it straightened out. And then go back to worship. That's, that's how important it is. So we take the time at the Lord's Supper to clear up relationships that have been messed up with others. And uh, you, you, may, you may want to do that this week as God brings us to mind. But take some time to get ready. I want to encourage you to do that uh, before we launch in. Um, we're, we're looking at the, we're at the second week of a new series and the series itself is on the Bible. We're talking about the Bible. Usually every week we get together and we look at a portion of Scripture. We try to understand what it says and then how, what that means for living it out. Um, in this series, we're actually talking about the Bible itself. And our goal is to gain a better appreciation of it, uh, what it is, to get some handles on understanding it, and then trying to figure out how we move from what was said couple thousand years ago to today in our own lives. How, how do we learn to do this ourselves? This is our goal. And uh, we're encouraging you to not uh, edit the Bible in any way, but look at the whole thing. And so today we're going to dig in to um, how to get sort of your hands around what the Bible is, what it consists of. Nobody would know the truth about God if he didn't make himself known to us. And he's given us the Bible so that we could we could know who he is, who he actually is. And so we dig into it because it's from him. The origin of the Bible is from God himself. He, he gave it to us. So this week, we're going to work toward a better understanding of the Bible and the whole flow of it, how it's put together. And we're going to talk about why that's important. I, I don't know about you, um, but when I'm trying to get my hands around or understand, get a grip on a new, a new topic or 
maybe a new uh, area of life like art. Say art. Okay, me getting my hands around art and appreciating it. I took a class in college just because I had to. And, you know, tried to get my... But you're sort of lost. It can be overwhelming. And um, the Bible can be like that. On the front side of trying to get your hands around it. But I'd like to show you uh, a video clip from Brian Regan who's talking about kind of how we sometimes respond when we're trying to get our hands around something that we don't really understand. Here, here's this clip. I was at a party and I walked up to these people and they were talking about art. And I don't know anything about art. So, of course, I said, oh, I love art. Well, what museums have you been to? I have to go home now. I could not think of a single museum name. And I had just released I Love Art like a flock of doves. I don't know what to do. I'm standing there. And then I remembered I had read about a museum in France or something. So I figured I'm lying anyway. I might as well lie to get out of that first lie. There's nothing smarter than that technique. (laughs) I was like, well, I was in Paris. At the La Uber. (laughs) Do you like Monet? I love Monet. In fact, I spent a lot of money when I was in Paris. Well, what's your favorite saison? Winter. Francis Bacon. I prefer Jimmy Dean, pure pork sausage. We're, when we're trying to get our hands around something we don't understand, we, this is what we want to avoid, these conversations right here where it's completely awkward, you're feeling your way along, and then you do something you didn't want to do. Um, you, you may feel like this when, when you're uh, reading the Bible or considering reading it or considering getting in a group of people who are talking about the Bible. Um, it's, it's overwhelming to try to think through, how, how am I going to discuss this? I don't even know where to start. Um, when you get to know God and what he says and his ways as you get into Scripture, it becomes more and more understandable. You have to start, all of us have to start somewhere. And so, uh, what's important is just start. Because the way God is, He uses, wherever you are, He uses the Word to speak to to you directly, right where you are, at your level of understanding. But it's very, very important to start, to get moving, to get into it, to start reading it. Uh, Because as you read it, it's like anything else. You begin to get your hands around it. 
God didn't intend for the Bible to be reserved for scholars and pastors. It's not his intent. Um, it's reliable, it's factual, but uh, it's not meant to be a textbook. It's, it's actually a life book. It's intended for us to get into so we can think through what this means, what this truth means for the way I actually live. Uh, it can actually help you with what you're facing right now. Whatever that is, if you're dealing with conflict in relationships, in the family or at work, if, if you're hurting uh, from disappointment, if you're dealing with stress, whatever you're dealing with right now, God has something to say to you through his word, the Bible, that would be very, very helpful. So this is why it's important to get into it and read it and uh, one of the key things as you, as you begin your walk with the Lord, and as you continue it, and it never becomes unkey, <laughs> it's always a key, is reading a little portion of the Bible every day and letting God speak to you through it. Um, because God, God does that. It, it comes alive. It jumps off the page. So today we're going to talk about how God wants us to learn to accurately handle the word of truth. That's what it says in 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. You can see from this passage that diligence is required. There's, it does require some work uh, to be able to handle the scripture rightly. But it is possible for each of us uh, to hear and understand and read and gather in what God is saying to each of us. But we have to be willing to put in the effort to do that. And it, does, it does take some effort over time uh, to get that. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a movie and you go to the first part of a trilogy and then you didn't realize it was the first part. And at the end you're going, it, hey, <laughs> what Lord of the Rings was like that for me. Well, it wasn't like that for me, but you're sort of unfulfilled. I knew it was the first part, but still at the same time, you're thinking, huh, it's, it's not resolved. If you don't know that going in, you're shocked. And that's how the Bible is. If you don't know, like you're reading a book in the Bible, and you don't understand where it fits in the overall flow of the Bible, then you're a little more confused than you need to be. Uh, there's a flow. Uh, one time I went to a movie, I thought it was sort of biographical. It turned out to be a musical. That was really disappointing, and I was completely disoriented because they kept singing stuff. And they would sing as the entire two hours. I kept, when is the biography going to kick in? No, they kept saying, oh, wow, we were out of it. Well, in the same way, if you don't understand, if you don't take into consideration the kind of literature that you're reading in the Scripture, there are different kinds. And we're going to look at that in a moment. If you don't understand what kind you're reading at and factor that into uh, what you're reading, then you get lost. It's very easy to miss the point and not handle it accurately. So to help you begin uh, to get your bearings, if you're starting out, or just a refresher, if you've been in the Word for a while, it always helps me to step back and overview things. We're going to take a brief, pure, uh, brief tour of uh, the Scripture, and we're going to start by looking at 
uh, some principles for a better understanding of the Bible. This is in a handout. It's an extra handout in your, in your program. So I'm going to be walking through this handout with you, and I, I made it an extra one so you could, if you'd like, just keep it with you. At, you know, if you read on the Bible on your iPad or whatever, just keep it with you, or uh, in your Bible. If you actually have a physical Bible, I have a bunch of those, but I, right now I just go to the computer usually because it's more handy, but you, you can keep it with your Bible, and then it'll give you an overview. That way, as you read a different book, you can kind of see the big picture of what's going on there. But here's some principles that you need to grasp to gain a better understanding of the Bible. first one is the Bible is God's Word, but He used human authors to write it, so it's important to understand who wrote it, why they wrote it, along with the historical setting. Uh, a Bible handbook really helps you with this. There are some tools that you can use to get your hands around it. I found a really good, very succinct Bible handbook, and it's called the Bare Bones Bible Handbook by Jim George. Really, in 10 minutes a day, like say you're going to read a book, or you're reading a book and you want to get your bearings on where you're at, in 10 minutes, it gives you a real quick overview of where that, what that book's all about, when it was written, uh, why it was written, and then some of the key things you can pull out of it. Very, very helpful. So, it's important to know who wrote it, why they wrote it, the historical setting. That, that handbook will give you some, some background on that. Secondly, we need to understand that um, the Bible is a spiritual book. So we need to ask God's Spirit to give us understanding. We need His help. Without His help, we're not going to be able to uh, grasp it. That's what you find in Ephesians 1. The Bible is a spiritual book, so you need God's help to understand it at that level. We, we just can't understand it on our own. We need, we need him, him to help us with it. And then third, next, we must understand its place. Now, I, I should have said the book we're reading. So we must understand the book we're reading's place in the progress of God's revelation to us, its makeup, and the kinds of literature it contains. You don't read poetry like you read history. You don't read um, history like you read poetry. So you need to understand kind of what, where this book fits and what it is that we're looking at. A very good way to grasp the flow of the Bible is to read 30 Days to Understanding the Bible by Max Anders. These, these resources are on the back of the, hand, the message handout. Um, but 30 Days... In 30 days, it gives you an overview of each book of the Bible, and it gives you a, a more detail than the Bible handbook that I mentioned would. And it, it helps you get a grasp on it fairly quickly, 15 minutes a day for 30 days. And you may, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hold you to the 30-day thing. I think I did this. It took me more than 30 days. I just kind of worked through it. The helpful thing in doing it in 30 days is that... Um, you, you stay with the flow in your mind. You're able to keep up with it. But if it takes you 60 days, you know, you're not going to get fired or anything from uh, being here. It's just the way it is. So it, it, but it's a very helpful book. So we need, it's, there's re diligence required in order to really get a grasp on the Scripture. It's well worth it to dig in and, and get the grasp because 
um, God really speaks to us through his word. And the more we understand it, uh, the more helpful it is. So, as I said in this principle three, it's important to understand that God's revelation is progressive. And there's a slide that shows uh, the two lines. Kind of, It starts at a point, the Bible, God's first revelation uh, to us. We looked at that last week. And then it starts at that point, he makes himself known, and then as the Bible moves on, it goes wider and wider in your understanding. It begins to unfold your understanding. So the later books of the Bible uh, provide more understanding than the beginning books. And it's important to understand this. It, it doesn't mean that the early books of the Bible don't contain important truth. Or really, that they contain small truth. They're, it's huge <laughs> what you find in the early portions of the Bible. But it's just that there's more understanding. The way God did things is just our understanding grows over time. It means that the early parts of the Bible are explained by the latter parts of the Bible. That's, that's what you, you get. So, uh, God's plan and His truth is made clearer over time. The Bible has two major divisions. You can see them on that handout there. Uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament begins with creation, gives a history of man, uh, or a history of man and the Jewish people up to, primarily the Jewish people up to the time of Christ. Um, there are 39 individual books in the Old Testament, 28 different authors. Um, it was written over a span of 2,000 years. So, very different. The New Testament is a record of the birth of Jesus Christ, his life and ministry, um, the ministry of the disciples who decided who followed him uh, that was carried on after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. It's composed of 27 books written by nine different authors and covers a span of less than 100 years. So, it's all about what happened with Jesus' life and his his followers immediately following his death and resurrection. Um, the total number of the books in the Bible is 66 books. So here's a brief tour of the books of the Bible. I just want to walk through this so you can begin to get a grip on uh, each, each of the books or each of the categories of books really in, in the Bible. Uh, the Old Testament has three major sections, historical books, poetic books, and prophetic books. It's important to know this because you've got to know the kind of literature it is. Um, the law is the first section, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Uh, the law is a compilation of God's commands given to Israel, which uh, apply uh, to all of us in, 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 to some extent in terms of understanding like the Ten Commandments, they apply to everyone. There are some laws that were specific to that day and age, and you find out in the New Testament which ones were specific to them and which ones apply to us. But the purpose of the law was to show God's ideal in handling all of life and uncover our own sins so that we might seek His forgiveness. Now, the, the law, sometimes we hear the law and the way we're wired as people, we think, oh, this is like the latter. If I just do this, if I do these things, if I do good, if I do right, if I do the law, then I'm going to kind of work my way into heaven. That's, that's not 
That's not the purpose of the law. You find out in Romans and in the New Testament in the latter part of the Bible that it's not a ladder, it's an x-ray that shows us where we fall short, where we don't measure up to God's ideal so that we understand we need His forgiveness. We need God's forgiveness and we can't do it ourselves and we need Jesus Christ. To, to live the perfect life for us and die his death and be resurrected so we could have salvation in him. So that's the law. Second uh, section in the Old Testament is history. And it shows, that, it shows us what God has done and what he said in the context of the history of the nation of Israel primarily and the, the other nations around. It gives a broad perspective of how God is ruling history and how he works through people to accomplish his o- overarching purpose. Uh, so that's the historical books in the Old Testament. The poetic books, when you're reading poetry, it's important to remember that you're reading po- poetry, so you don't want to take everything literally. In the Bible, if you come at it from a very cynical way, you know, it talks about the sun rising. Well, we know the sun doesn't really rise. It stays there. We turn. But it's phenomenological language. And in poetry, it talks about people flying and things like that. You, know, you understand that there's, it's the meaning behind the words, and so you, you read it that way. But there are a section of books called the Wisdom Books, from Job to the Song of Solomon. And it gives very practical truths and perspectives for handling the flow of life and its very various aspects. Like Job... Deals with uh, the, the history of a man, uh, a man in history, Job, who suffered tremendously, and it's a conversation between he and his friends that puts suffering into perspective. The Proverbs are a book that gives sort of like axioms, gives nuggets of truth. And uh, Dave Ramsey, we're in financial peace right now. He says that if you read the Proverbs, you'll end up with an MBA in business by the end of it if you just soak it in and. And I, that's, there, there is some very practical help there. So these books are called wisdom books. Um, the Psalms is one of them. It's a book of poetry and prayers and other things. The Psalms model the godly heart in every age and express its prayers in the context of things that go across time. So earthly kings, kingdoms, health, wealth, war, long life, etc. So you gain a lot of insight there. There is a section of prophetic books. In the Old Testament, the prophets from Isaiah to Malachi, God's word spoken primarily into the circumstances of the nation of Israel uh, concerning the present and the future, but also spoken about other people and nations in that context. These show us God's thoughts and ways um, that we can apply to our current situation. So you get an understanding of how God related to people back then and how we can expect him to relate to us and what's important to him. As he deals with things in the nation of Israel, you realize his values, his priorities, uh, what's really important as he responds uh, to what's going on. In the New Testament, there are uh, two main divisions, historical books and letters. Uh, These are called different things, but uh, the Gospels, Matthew through John, biographies of the life of of Christ that contain his words and acts. Um, then Acts, more history that shows how God worked through his spirit to continue Jesus' work through uh, after his death and resurrection through his uh, disciples who became known as apostles, who had authority, spiritual authority. 
Uh, the letters are doctrinal books, which just means teaching, books full of teaching. Uh, there are, there's the prophecy, which is the very last book in the Bible called the Re- Revelation. Uh, it was written by John about the same time as the last letters. He wrote John 1 through 3, 1st through 3rd John. And these were written about the same time. I put this before the others because uh, it's, it's a foretelling of future events and it's harder to understand. It doesn't really bring clarity to the rest of the book. So for our purposes this morning, uh, it goes before the letters, even though it was written after most of them. Uh, the letters, Romans through 3 John, uh, give guidance from the apostles for churches and individual Christians on how to follow Christ how to deal with challenges that we face as followers of Christ. As you look at this, what you do is you, you gain understanding in the Bible by, by looking backward from the letters. Letters are sort of like the author's footnotes to explain. For instance, Romans gives a lot of understanding on the purpose of the law. Galatians helps us understand which parts of the law we hang on to and which parts don't apply under Christ. So the letters are sort of like the, the footnotes that we use to provide a richer, more fuller understanding of what God was doing in, in the uh, Old Testament. Um, it's not that there are less important things said early on in Scripture, but a fully, fuller understanding unfolds as uh, history moves forward and God reveals more and more of himself to people and his plan as well. So, with that overview, it's just a quick one, uh, let's move on to the next principle. The next principle is, Scripture nowhere contradicts Scripture, so one passage explains another. We, we should always allow the clear passages to explain the unclear. There are some passages in Scripture that are just hard to understand, and we don't understand. Um, but there's enough of the Bible, and actually most of the Bible is very easy to understand, and it's very clear, it's crystal clear, you can build your life on it. But this is a principle that you need to understand if you're going to try to grasp the Bible. And then the fifth principle is each book contains unchanging truth about God, people, right and wrong, applied to and illustrated by the circumstances in which the people and groups found themselves. So, uh, God is working and doing and speaking to uh, people who are in their circumstances. And so, we need to understand their context, their culture. It helps us to understand these things. A very good study Bible will help you understand uh, the... um, uh, culture, the context, the meanings of words. And so as you're reading along a study Bible, I have notes at the bottom of the page. I'll have footnotes that explain it. This is a, this is a good one. ESV study Bible. You can get it on Kindle. It's pretty, pretty tricky on Kindle because it has these little symbols as you're reading along. One danger of a study Bible is you get mixed up. Here's the Bible up here. There's a bunch of notes down here. It's easy to forget which one is God's Word. And so, down here is the interpretation or the commentary of people, and you want to guard against, you know, just going with that uh, at, like it's the true, you know, God's Word on the same level. So, but the thing about the Kindle thing, it has a little symbol, you 
pop the symbol, and then you go to it. It's all there. It's pretty cool. Sorry, I'm getting excited about this. I'm an old guy who tried it this week. Okay? It's pretty neat. Um, but anyway, that's, that's enough about that. But there is a caution. Don't start reading the commentary at the bottom like it's, like it's Scripture. You have to be careful of that. We, we actually confirm our understanding of Scripture as we uh, live it out in the context of church life under the authority that God's provided there. We need to learn this unchanging truth, first of all, because it doesn't change. This is the stuff that hurts if we don't live by it. We can't vote to suspend the law of gravity. So we need to know what God says about life and then get in line with it. And this is why it's unchanging. So this is why the Bible determines what we teach in the church. The church doesn't determine what the Bible teaches. It's an important distinction. Because God's truth is the same. It never changes. He never changes. We're just saying that in a, in a song. It never changes. Number six principle is the final stage to understanding the Bible is to reapply these truths to our own life situations. This is the way we discern what God is saying to us in the moment. We're going to look at how to do this more in week four. We're going to actually walk through a passage together, uh, week four of this message series, and, and try to figure out how to do this. Uh, but this is important as well. Before God will speak to us on a consistent basis, we must be ready and willing to obey on the front side. Because he's, he's going to speak to us as we're real, willing to, to do what he says. Uh, if you want to hear God speak to you through the Bible, you have to let it change you. You have to be willing to let him change you as he speaks to you. A test of whether... You've made Jesus Lord is this. This is what I, as people are wrestling with the decision of following Christ, I always ask them, if Jesus were to put his finger on an area of your life and ask you to change it, and he usually does that through the Bible, would you be willing to change it? We've had a confession recently to our baptism. The confession is, Jesus is my Lord and the Bible is my guide. Because you can't separate those two things. The Bible is God's word. And so we need to be ready to obey it. As we're ready to obey it, our understanding unfolds. And God really grows us. So that's an overview of some principles. That's a quick overview of the scripture. Um, and I do that. I went through that because our clarity gets clouded when we violate these principles. And so it's important to really understand what's going on here. One of the most common mistakes that we can make in handling the Bible is to read into the Bible from our own personal perspective or our cultural categories. It's a common mistake that we make that we need to watch out for. Some of the most common categories that we use to live life and read into Scripture are psychological categories. Uh, they can be very helpful, but uh, the Bible has its own terms and categories for the problems that we're experiencing. And so, if we want to get the most out of the Scripture, we have to let the Bible determine our categories. And we, we use the terms the Bible uses for things 
and it, it begins to shape the way we think. Secondly, sometimes we go to the Bible with best business practices if we're into business. Uh, business is great because it has in a business you have to deal with reality. There's a bottom line, either you're you know you're surviving or not. And so a lot of the business practices and principles are helpful, but the Bible speaks about things in very different terms and has very different goals for the way that you approach business life than some in in the business realm. Uh, but it's easy to go with our business mindset and look at that. Another common category is a category of positive thinking or self-help or popular uh, remedies. Uh, these can skew our view of the Bible. And then our upbringing, we bring our upbringing to it. What we, what we have to do is set aside all of these other categories, get to the Scripture, and rather than reading into it, drawing out of it what hit he says what God says there and then allowing that to shape us the the danger of starting with a cultural category is we set ourselves up to twist the scripture to to manipulate it to say what we want or to make us feel better about ourselves or whatever it is there's this danger of twisting the scripture that's not a new problem Peter talked about that in 2 Peter 3, 15 through 18. Let's, let's read that passage real quick. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So Peter says, Paul's writings, there's some stuff that's difficult to understand. Um, but notice he does refer to Paul's writings as Scripture, so already it was accepted as the Word of God. Then he goes on, he says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Being careless with the Bible can really cause damage. Uh, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is the way you grow. You soak in the Word of God. You learn to handle it rightly. There's a tremendous amount of growth there for us. Now, what the false teachers were doing, they were coming through the churches and they were twisting the scriptures for their own benefit, for selfish reasons. They twisted it for their own purpose. We have to guard against this. It's very easy to do. So we, we know this could happen. We want to check what we're thinking that the Bible's saying with others around us who are more mature that can help us with this. But what this does is, this passage shows us that we need to be careful to draw out what the Bible actually teaches and avoid the temptation to read into it what we already think and what we already buy into. We don't want to read our own ideas into the Scripture, but we want to let the Scripture, as we read it, change our ideas. <clears throat> to better understand what God says about life. Uh, the principles we looked at earlier help us draw out its original meaning and help us draw the right life applications. Uh, as we draw out its words, it actually shapes the way we think. For instance, I, I really respond to the idea that God loves us with unconditional love. There's something about that just really, I think that's, that's fantastic. It's interesting, though, that when you get into the Scripture, that's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible says God loves us with an unfailing love. It does not fail. If you think, if your mind, if you think, if you use the word unconditional, what, what does that tell you? Well, there are no conditions on having a right relationship with God. Now, an unfailing love is different because even if you're in rebellion, he still loves you. He's still pursuing you. But the Bible says he has an unfailing love, not an unconditional love, because honestly, every relationship has conditions to that relationship being right and good. So if you start with your relationship with God, you realize, well, he loves me with an unfailing love, but there are conditions to me having a right relationship with God. Then you're thinking rightly that trickles down into your other relationships as well. And so this is how we need to draw out of the Bible what it actually says. This is an example that's really helped me. Because if you think things need to be unconditional, there are no boundaries, your relationships are chaotic, and it, it leads to a lot of trouble. But if you understand, I need to, for instance, I need to love my kids with unfailing love, not unconditional love. Because there's, there's conditions to us having a good relationship. With God, one of the major conditions is repentance. You know, I repent. I turn around from going my own way, and I decide to go God's way, and I keep doing that as I, as I walk with Him. So we need to learn to think in biblical, not personal or cultural categories. Very, very important. Well, we need to do our due diligence to lead the Bible. We need God's help. To understand it, we really need his help. So, as, as I wrap up the message here, what I'd like to do is pray together and, and ask God to help us um, with understanding his word, with getting ourselves ready to let it change us and shift us. There's a great passage, it's a prayer from Ephesians 1. I mentioned it earlier. And I want to bow our heads. And pray, and I'm going to pray this passage back to God. So, would you pray with me? Dear God, we, we honor you. Uh, Father, uh, we, we pray for your help to glorify you. You are the Father of glory. And we ask, God, that through your Holy Spirit, you'd give us more uh, wisdom and understanding, that you would help us to see who you are more and more through the Scriptures that, God, you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we would know more about you, that you'd turn the lights on our understanding, help us to see who you are, that we may know, God, what the hope is that you called us to. We ask for your help in this, God, because we need it. And I pray that we might really understand all that we have in you, those of us who've decided to follow you, God. Help us to understand the riches that you've provided for us, and what's the greatness of your power in us who believe. God, help us with these things, I pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our goal at Church of the Valley is to help you uh, grow in God's wisdom and understand these things. That's why we took the time this morning uh, to walk through this. I'd like to wrap the, the message up by asking you to think through your next steps as the band comes up uh, to lead us. Uh, if you'd take a moment 
to consider your next steps uh, related to the message or complete any information that you haven't had a chance to complete uh, in on the connection card, that'd be great. Uh, but here's some suggestions. My next step today is to memorize 2 Timothy 2.15. You guys can come on up if you want. Uh, memorize uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Another step, check out some of the resources that I've mentioned this morning. Uh, they're listed on the back of that listening guide. And then we're going to have a workshop this summer on how to, how to get a, into the Bible for yourself. So you may want to plan to attend that uh, workshop. If you're, if you're interested, mark this. It'll help us gauge the format and the location of the workshop as well. So that's, uh, that's a quick overview just to help you get some grip on that. Let's, let's worship God together.